Welcome to the SMC 2021 podcast. What if God wanted to do something new in your life? This is your fresh start. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the end. My name is Matt Pace, uh, and I am so excited to be talking about this topic today. Uh, um, this is my 16th year working for Stumo, and I currently work at the Missouri, at Missouri State University. Let me show you a picture of my family real quick. Uh, here is, uh, here's my wife, uh, my beautiful wife, Allie Pace. We've been married now for seven years. She was on staff at the University of Central Arkansas. Here are my two kids, Penelope, she's the oldest at three, and Walker, who uh, is a year and a half old. Uh, they're a ton of fun, love my family. Um, uh, I, I graduated from the University of Central Arkansas and spent the last 15 years working there. And then the last two years, I've been at Missouri State. I love working for Stumo. It is a great job. And so um, our topic today, we're going to be talking about the end, which I'm really excited about. The idea of what's going to happen. What are the end times? When are we getting there? What's it look like? Well, to start off, I thought what we would do is just kind of have a little bit of where are you guys at when you think about the end time? And so I've got uh, three quick questions to ask you here. First one is this. Which of these best describes what you will be doing in 10,000 years? So what I want you to do is I want you to project your mind 10,000 years in the future. What are you doing? And I've got four choices or five. Do you think, and which one best describes it? Do you think you're singing the latest and greatest worship song alongside the angels? Or are you enjoying a mansion in heaven near your friends and family with an occasional drop by of Jesus? Or are you still working your job here on earth? Or number four, you you look 10,000 years in the future and you say, I just think it's darkness. Nothing. Quiet. Or I I even got your spot for you, number five, when you say, I have no idea. So which of those five are you? What best describes what you will be doing in 10,000 years? Here's a second question. What best describes your eschatological position? Eschatological, it's a fancy word that just means study of the end times. Would you say that you are a premillennial? Post-millennial, amillennial, just a plain old millennial, (laughs) or I have no idea. And third question is this, what are your feelings when you think about the end? When When I say end times, how do you feel about that? Is it anxiety, fear, joy? Excitement, confusion, or, to be honest, I really don't feel much about it at all. I think it's kind of good to look at those things, just to kind of see where we're at as a crowd, just to kind of get us warmed up a little bit. Let me show you a picture here. In 1983... Uh, there was a third of a huge movie franchise, Star Wars, Episode Six. In 1983, when Episode Six came out, it was the final, and it felt like there wasn't going to be any other Star Wars. We know now that there's six other ones to be made. But 
At the end of this one, in 1983, it was the last Star Wars movie, and you get to the very last scene, and you get this scene right here. And, and you've got people celebrating all across the screen, and, and you've got different Earths and, 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 and planets and galaxies that are all celebrating, the, and, and, and there's parties going on everywhere. And, and, and I could just show you that scene right there, and you would go, wow, something good just happened. And, and I'm showing you the end of Star Wars. And, and you're going, wow, that's, that sounds good. And, and, and I see these, this, there's this picture here, everyone's celebrating. And then you've got these two kind of ghost-like figures that appear. It's Obi-Wan Kenobi and it's Yoda. And, and they've died previously. So spoiler alert if you haven't seen Star Wars, but they both die in the movie. And all of a sudden they're there celebrating. And you're like, it, if you just saw the picture, you're going, oh, these ghost-like people, wow, they're celebrating too. And then all of a sudden, a third figure shows up, Anakin Skywalker. And, and if you don't know the whole story, you just see this picture and you're going, okay, that's cool. But you can't truly value it unless you know the whole story. And so I want to talk about the end but I feel like you can't possibly value the end unless you know the whole story. And so let me show you the end, the biblical end of times. It says Revelation 21.1, it says this, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Because the first heaven and the first earth, they passed away. And there was no longer any sea. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look. God's dwelling place is now among the people. He will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more pain. There will be no, uh, there's no mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things have passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. That's the end. There will be a new heaven. There will be a new earth. God will live with us. There will be no pain. There will be no mourning. There will be no difficulties. Everything will be made new. It will be awesome. But you really have to understand the beginning if you really want to value the end. I want to bring us all the way back to the beginning. Genesis chapter 3 talks about that beginning. And it says, Genesis chapter 3 verse 8 says, The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. In Genesis chapter 3, it gives the picture that Adam and Eve were walking in the garden and then they could hear the sound of God walking. That, that man and God at that time they had a relationship with each other. It was a clear relationship where they could talk with each other. They could walk with each other. There was no sin. There was no negative actions going on at that time. There, there was no pain. There was no death. And man had a very clear purpose in life. God told man and woman, fill the earth and maintain the earth. It was a very clear purpose. They knew what they were supposed to do. That was the beginning. But 
In that same chapter, Genesis chapter 3, we see that sin enters the world. A serpent, Satan, is there and he deceives Eve. She eats the fruit and sin enters the world. And when sin enters the world, it breaks the relationship between God and man because man is no longer perfect. Man has now sinned and man has now done evil. And the relationship between man and God has already been broken. And sin has now entered into the world and is something that has infected all of mankind. It infected Adam, it infected Eve, and therefore it has affected every person that has come from them. With sin, pain entered the world and death entered the world. And all of a sudden, man no longer knew what their purpose was in life. And they became confused. This all happened because of sin. But in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, God made a promise. And he looked at the serpent, Satan, and he says, Because you have done this, I will put enmity enmity, between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his hill. Basically, God says, one day, a child will be born to destroy you and every negative thing that you've brought on this earth. But you will cause that Savior harm. I'm going to go ahead and give you a spoiler alert. We're in the beginning, but I'm going to give you a spoiler alert really quickly. In 33 AD, a Savior is in the world And he will be killed on the cross. And Satan will have hurt him. But at the end of time, and we're going to get there eventually, you're going to see that Jesus is going to be throwing Satan into the lake of fire forever and for all eternity. And that serpent's head will be crushed. And every negative thing that he has brought into this world will be gone. But we're not there yet because we're still in the beginning. And so, but that was a spoiler alert. The next big big event we get to after sin entering the world is the flood. And for the sake of time, I just want you to know that there was a time before the flood and there was a time after the flood. And, and, and the reason I say it like that is because you've got to realize throughout all of history, Time has looked a little bit different. If you want to know, what was it like to walk with God? What would it have been like to have no sin in our, in, like no sin in this world? That's what it was like when Adam and Eve was on the earth. That time is over. If you want to know, what was it like? Like, was there ever a time of like, I don't know, giants, dinosaurs? You read in Genesis. All of that stuff that might have been really just out there, but before the flood. I think, um, and, and, and you'll see why I say this, when you want to know when really big buildings were built on this earth, that's after the flood. And, and the, the reason I say this is because the next big event that we get to is the Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel is significant because God, after the flood, God gave them mankind one simple command— Fill the earth 
multiply, spread out. I want you to fill the whole earth. That was pretty simple. But man, for whatever reason, they decided to do just the opposite. Part of our sinful nature, whatever God tells us to do, we want to do the opposite. Genesis eleven four, they said this. The people said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower, a huge tower that reaches all the way up to the heavens. If we don't do this, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. You see, the people knew if we don't build this big tower, we're going to be spread. But God wanted them to spread. The very thing that God wanted them to do, they didn't want to do. And so what God did was in an instant, God created the languages of the world. It, it would be as if I was standing in this room right now and I were to snap my fingers and 50% of you spoke, spoke English and 50% of you spoke Spanish. Naturally, what would happen? I mean, you'd, you would be totally confused trying to figure out what just happened. But naturally, you would begin to group up with English speakers and Spanish speakers because you group up with people you understand. And then what you would do is you would go your own separate ways. This is what God did. God created all the languages of the world at this moment right there. He created all of the distinct nations of the world by languages. And naturally, they begin to spread out and fill the earth. Exactly what God had always wanted them to do. The next event we get to is the story of Abraham. God had just created all of the distinct nations and languages. And then God chose one man. And he said, Abraham, I want you to go to a place that I will show you. And then what God does is God makes a huge promise to Abraham. And he says, I will make you, Abraham, into a great nation. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Remember that last line. Abraham, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Here's another spo spoiler alert. We're, we're in around 2000 BC right now. Abraham will become the father of the Jews. Every Jew traces their lineage back to a single man named Abraham. If you are Jew, if you are a if you are a Jew, your great 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 grandfather, however many greats that is, was Abraham. Another significant Jew, Jesus. Jesus is great 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 whatever great grandfather was Abraham. Jesus died on a cross in order to give a relationship with God, pay for the sins, not just for Jews, but for all people of all nations, of all tribes, of all tongues, for the specific purpose of blessing them, giving them a relationship with God, paying for their sin, giving them life after death. Spoiler alert, Jesus is the answer to that promise. When we get to the end, when we talk about it, we're getting there, you will see that Jesus will have blessed all nations. All nations will have been blessed through Abraham. 
So we can start putting dates on these now that we're starting to get a little bit closer. It gets a little bit easier to date things as you get closer uh, to present time. Abraham lived approximately around 2000 BC. The, the next significant character we get to is 1500 BC, about 500 years later. And that's when we're going to talk a little bit about Moses. If you know the story of Exodus, you know, there was Abraham and there were all the other patriarchs and they went into Egypt. And after a time, um, the Egyptians just kind of put the Jewish people over there to the side and they began to multiply and they went from, they went into Egypt with 70 and they came out with, uh, you know, uh, a million or, or more than that. And so th they were multiplying over the last uh, 400 years, but they had also been enslaved by Egypt and they became a slave labor force for Egypt. Moses came along and Moses became the deliverer of the Jewish people and he began to bring them into the promised land. And that was around 1500 BC. And then from that point, you have the Jewish people getting into their the promised land. And remember, the Jews' purpose is to follow God and to be a light for the world so that people, so that they can become a blessing for the nations. And so for the next 500 years, and we get to uh, 1000 BC, the Jewish nation is getting almost up to their peak, into the best that they're ever going to get. David was their best king, and probably David's son, Solomon. He was the strongest that the Jewish nation will ever get right there. And that was right around 1000 BC. And so from Moses all the way to David, for those 500 years, you really have the Jewish nation growing and building and this idea of becoming a blessing to the whole world and to the nation. If we follow God, we'll become a blessing to the whole world, hoping that the promise of Abraham is fulfilled in them. The promise of God given to Abraham is fulfilled in them. But that's the peak because really after Solomon, the Jewish nation starts going down. They stop following God. They start following other gods. Uh, it, it, it's They're not living as they should. They're not the light that they should be. And then it all kind of comes crashing down in 586 BC. When the nation of Babylon comes in and takes captive the Jewish nation. And they lead the whole nation of Israel into, into captivity. 586 BC. And captivity is a huge problem. Especially if your whole nation is built on the idea that we will be a blessing to the whole world. We were chosen by God and we will be a blessing to the whole world. Captivity is a problem because most nations that become captive are no longer nations. If you think about it, what nation can you really think about that has existed from 2000 BC? I mean, Egypt is an easy one. But many of the nations from 2000 years ago, when they're conquered, they just disappear from the face of the earth. Where there is no such thing as Babylon today. 
There is no, there is no country of Babylon. There are no people of Babylon. See, captivity is a problem. And the Jewish people knew that. And, and, and you could just see they're in captivity. Never mind the fact that they've lost all of their land. They've lost all of their, um, many of their friends and family have died. But also, it's like they failed God. They've been chosen by God, set apart from God. And all of a sudden, they're thinking, man, if there's no Jews, how do all the people get blessed by God? Well, while they're in captivity, the prophet Daniel has a dream. And, and, and Daniel is one of the, uh, the young men that are um, they're being held captive in Babylon. Uh, but he has a dream. And in that dream, God comes and, through an angel and says, In 70 weeks, Daniel, six things will happen. And this is found in Daniel 24. It says, 70 weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city, about your people and the holy city, Jerusalem. Six things will happen in those 70 weeks. Number one, sin will be defeated. It it entered the world all the way back in Genesis, but sin will be defeated in 70 weeks. Number two, you won't need to make any more sacrifices for sin. You won't have to do that anymore. Number three, Righteousness will be made complete. It will be done. All the good deeds that need to be done will be done. Number four, everlasting good will be brought in. Number five, all promises that I've ever made, God says, will be completed in 70 weeks. And last, God says that a most holy place will be anointed, which for a for a for a man of a nation that's in captivity who's supposed to bring in a blessing to the world to think that in 70 weeks a most holy place will be anointed man if I'm Daniel I'm thinking oh this is god this is ugh, 70 weeks this is great remember here's where they're at 586 BC captivity and god is saying in 70 weeks the end will come. These six things will happen. And most of those six things feel like everything that's been promised so far to the people of Israel. Let's talk about those 70 weeks. And, and, and I'm going to warn you a little bit. Uh, I, I, when I was in college, I was a math major. Uh, you know, I graduated from college and I've been doing ministry since then. So I haven't been able to use my math degree as much as I'd like, but we're going to experiment a little bit with it right here. And so we're going to talk about those 70 weeks. Remember, we're in 586 BC, 70 weeks. If you think about it, I mean, um, normally a week is seven days. Uh, so 70 weeks is less than a year and a half. So, we, you know, a year and a half has happened since 586 BC and the end is not here. But in prophecy, specifically in Jewish prophecy, I think everybody knows that one week does not equal seven days. One week equals seven years. And so 70 weeks equals not 490 days, but 490 years. 
And not only that, if we look at Daniel 9.25, he says this. Remember, he says this is 70 weeks, but he says this. No one understand this. Here's when the 70 weeks starts. From the time the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler, the savior comes. Okay, so our starting point is when the word went out to restore Jerusalem. The three different times this happened. We're going to use the third time, which on March 5th, 444 BC, King Artaxerxes sent out the word, sent out a decree to rebuild Jerusalem on March 5th, 444 BC. We know these dates. If we go forward from that time, it says 70 weeks from March 5th, 444 BC, Nine, 490 years, if we go forward 490 years, the date is now March 5th, four, four, uh, March 5th, 47 AD. Do you know what happened on March 5th, 47 AD? Neither do I. To be honest, I, I don't know if anything significant happened. Uh, the closest thing, uh, Jesus, Jesus's death was on April 3rd of 33 AD. Uh, that date we know uh, there's probably only maybe one or two other dates people debate, but that's the most accepted date. April 3rd, 33 AD is when Jesus died. So that doesn't really help much. <laughs> you know, and so uh, going 490 years doesn't really help. But let's look at Nat, Matt, uh, Daniel 9.25. It says this again, there will be 70 weeks. But he says this, there shall be seven weeks, and then for 62 weeks, it shall be built again with squares and moat, but in trouble time. And after the 62 weeks, an anointed one shall be cut off and have nothing, Daniel 9, 26. So, okay, let's look at this again, and let's not think about 70 weeks, but let's talk about 69 weeks, seven plus 62, 69 weeks. Uh, one week equals seven years. 69 weeks is 483 years. And so what Daniel says is 483 years or 69 weeks from March 5th, 444 BC, the anointed one will be cut off and will have nothing. Okay. If we go forward 483 years, we get March 5th, 40 AD, which is again... That's seven years past when Jesus was killed. And it's too far away to say, it's too far away to say that's Jesus' death. I'll give you one more math alert. Let's study and think about Jewish history. I said this, that one week equals seven years. But a, a Jewish person does not follow a solar calendar. You see, we have 365.24 days in our year, and we have every fourth year, we have one leap day. Well, the, the Jewish people live by a lunar calendar. They have 12 months of 30 days, 360 days in a year. That's what they have. It's different. It's a lunar year. We have solar years. And so 69 weeks does equal 483 lunar years, but 483 lunar years is 
how many solar years? There's a question, and here's our math. If you multiply 483 lunar years by how many days are in a lunar year, 483 by 360, you get 173,880 days. If you take that and you divide that by how many days are in a solar year, which is 365.24 days, you get 476 solar years and 25 days. Okay. What if we took 476 solar years and 25 days and you went forward from March 5th, 444 BC? What date do you now get? You get Monday, March 30th, 33 AD. Jesus dies on Friday, April 3rd of 33 AD. Remember the prophecy said, in 69 weeks, the Savior, the Anointed One, will be cut off from his people and he will have nothing. Does anybody know what happened the Monday before Jesus died? On this day, Monday, March 30th. It, it was the triumphal entry. It's when, and, and it talks about it uh, in, I think, all of the Gospels, but in Mark 11, 1 through 2, it says, When they drew near to Jerusalem, Jesus sent two of his disciples to go into the village. They found a colt, they untied it, and they brought it to Jesus. And Jesus rode the colt. And remember, this was after Jesus' three years of doing ministry in Judea and Samaria and, and Galilee. And he's been traveling around gathering disciples. This is at the very end. And Jesus gets on a colt. And, 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 and the different gospels, they tell this story as if it's like, man, they're like, what's going to happen, man? Jesus is going into the city like we've been preaching for the last three years, and now Jesus is going up to Jerusalem, and he's riding on a colt. And, and all of a sudden, it says in uh, Mark 11, 9 and 10, those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the one who, num who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. They were throwing palm branches down as he rode into the temple. His disciples were thinking, man, Jesus is about to take over as the king. This is it. We're at the end. This is Mark eleven eleven. Jesus entered Jerusalem and he went into the temple. And it's like Jesus, he gets all the way up to the temple, the holy place. He looked around at everything. He looks left. He looks right. And the scripture says, but it was already late, and then he left town and went to Bethany. And I remember reading that, and I'm like, what? After all this buildup, he goes all the way up to the temple, to the holy place, looks around and just leaves. But then I think back to Daniel, what was prophesied. 69 weeks ago, it says there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks and an anointed one shall be cut off and have nothing. And it's like what happened was 
What should have happened is that Jesus marched into town and when he got to the temple, the priests, all the religious leaders, they should have had their hands open welcoming Jesus in to make him the king. But they didn't do that. They cut him off. And some scholars say it was from that day forward that the priest started making a plan to kill Jesus. At that moment, Jesus was cut off and had nothing. You know, it said that in 70 weeks, six things will happen. But now, as we look back in time, we can see that three of those six things did happen in 69 weeks. Sin was defeated. When Jesus died on the cross, he defeated sin. He defeated the power of sin. There is now a way to have a relationship with God, even though there's sin. Number two, you won't need to make sacrifices for sin anymore. We, do, we live in a world where we don't have to make sacrifices because Jesus has already made the largest sacrifice, his own life. And number three, righteousness is completed. Jesus lived a perfect life for 33 years. He did what no other human has ever been able to do. Adam couldn't do it. None of us could do it. But in 33 years, Jesus made righteousness complete. Those three things have happened in the 69 weeks. We still have one more week and three more things that need to happen. At the time, the people did not totally understand it. But looking back, we now understand that there is a first coming of Jesus and a second coming of Jesus. The, second, the first coming happened when he came at Christmas and he died at Easter. The second coming, he will come again, and that, that happens in the end. And when the end comes, he will bring in everlasting good. Every promise that God has ever made will be completed, and a most holy place will be anointed. You see, we're here January 2nd uh, through the 5th of 2021 AD, and the 70th week is still sometime in the future. It has not happened yet. Those three things will happen in that 70th week. And so you've, you've got to wonder, okay, so, well then, why was there a break in between the 69th and 70th week? And what's been going on for the last 2,000 years? I mean, right? What has been going on? Well, remember the promise to Abraham. The promise to Abraham was that you would have a child, you will have a descendant who will be a blessing to all nations. What's been happening for the last 2,000 years is that the nations have been being blessed by Abraham's great-great-great-grandson, Jesus. And the gospel has been spreading across the world. It's The gospel has been moving through the Middle East, through Europe, through Africa, through the Americas. It's moving through China. It's beginning to move through India. It is beginning to move throughout the whole world, and it's taken 
2,000 years to do that. Matthew 24, 14, Jesus says this, this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then Jesus says this, and then the end will come. All nations have been being blessed since Jesus died and since he rose from the grave. We are currently living in the church age. Our goal is to see the blessing of Jesus Christ spread across the whole world. We are living in the church age. If you were to ask me, when will the 70th week begin? Simple. When enough nations have been blessed. doesn't have to be all of them because we've still got seven years. But when enough nations have been blessed, and by whatever calculation God knows or God thinks of, he says, whenever enough have been blessed so that by the end of the seven years, all nations will be blessed. Then the 70th week will start. You will know that the 70th week has started because there will be a significant event. It's called the rapture. And this is now we're talking, now we're starting to get into end times. The rapture will be the first event of the end times. And the rapture is just a word that means to be snatched away or to be taken away. First uh, Thessalonians, Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. You see, in the rapture, all Christians, the ones that have died before and the ones that are currently living, will be called up to the air to meet Jesus. Jesus will not come all the way down to earth. We will go up and meet him. All Christians will be removed from the earth, and the 70th week will begin. And for the next seven years, this seven-year period, the 70th week is called the tribulation. This is everything written in Revelation from chapter 6 all the way to verse 19. When the Christians are called up in the air, when the church, remember the church age is now over, the church is called up into the air, God will begin what's called the Bema Seat Judgment. In 2 Corinthians 5.10, it says, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. You see, all Christians will be judged. You know, the whole judge word is, is such a touchy topic, but all Christians will be judged. So that you may receive what is due, what has been de- done in the body, whether good or evil. This is when, 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 when Jesus talks about rewards, this is when rewards are given out. It also talks about that bad will be talked about, but I don't think it, this is not in no way a time when God will try to embarrass or shame. I think justice will be brought, but mostly think at the Bama seat, that's when rewards will happen for all Christians. Now, what's going to happen during those seven years? Well, during the tribulation, this is Revelation 6 through 19. It's the bulk of the whole book of Revelation. This is when seal judgments are revealed on the earth, trumpet judgments, and bowl judgments. Each each one of these judgments, there's seven of them. There's seven seals. There's seven trumpets. There's seven bowls. And the first trumpet is worse than the seventh seal. And the first bowl is worse than the seventh trumpet. And the Seventh bowl is the worst of them all. 
but there's just judgment upon judgment being poured out on the earth. Uh, during the tribulation, that's when the Antichrist rises up and people begin to follow him. That's when the mark of the beast is, you know, kind of a big deal when people go, oh, the mark of the beast. Okay, the mark of the beast doesn't happen until we're in the 70th week. We're not in the 70th week. Um, that's also when they talk about the 144,000 Jews. Um, 144,000 Jews, for whatever reason, they're going to come and become Christians. You see, Jewish people, for the most part, have rejected Christ. But at that time, there will be 144,000 that, that become Christians. And maybe they say, man, Messiah, we were wrong. Savior, we're ready to follow you. And, and they will be the ones that complete and finish the, the, the proclamation of the gospel to the whole world. So Revelation 6 through 19 is a very uh, difficult thing to understand. But from Monday, March 30th, 3380, at the end of the 69th week, we've been in the church age. The rapture is going to happen. That's going to start the 70th week. 70, at the end of the 70th week, seven-year period, that's when Jesus will return back to earth. That's the end. Jesus will come back to earth. Listen to how it talks about in Revelation 19. It says this, and this will be the second coming of Christ. Then I saw heaven opened and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. The second coming of Jesus. You know, the first coming of Jesus, people might have missed, because it, it was you know, in Bethlehem, in a manger, there were a few shepherds there, not a big deal. But the second coming of Jesus, no one will miss. It will fill the sky. Time will stop. Jesus will hit the earth. There will be war. He's bringing the armies of heaven down to him. And when he gets to earth, there will be a judgment. And God will judge between those that are his followers and those that are not his followers, those that have given their life to him and those that have not. He will send Satan to the bottomless pit. And in Revelation 20, it begins to talk about a millennial kingdom. And at that millennial kingdom, it says that God, Jesus will not go back up to heaven. Jesus will stay on earth and he will run a kingdom for the next thousand years Millennium, 1,000 years. This is where pre-millennial comes in. You believe that Jesus comes back before the millennial kingdom. Jesus starts this kingdom, and you might be thinking, well, okay, so where are Christians at in all of this? Great question. If you became a Christian during the tribulation, that seven-year period, you will be the first generation of the new millennium, meaning you are the inhabitants of the millennial kingdom and your children, your children's children, and your children's children will live in the millennium. 
if you are taken up in the rapture, you could be ruling with Christ on earth. You could be a ruler. Well, who determines who's a ruler? I think a lot of that has to do with the Bama seat. God is going to bring with him those he thinks are worthy, those who uh, lived a significant life for him, not for man, not for the world, not in riches, but for God. God sees all things. And then all of the Christians will be in heaven. So it's not like it's a bad thing. It's like, oh, well, I'm just in heaven. I'm just going to stay in heaven then. Millennial kingdom for the next thousand years. At the end of the thousand years, this is Revelation 20, it says that Satan will be released from the bottomless pit. He will deceive the nations and they will march for war against Jesus as the king of the millennial kingdom. And it's funny, the Bible says that they will march and they're like, the, the armies are marching against God. And then it says, and fire comes down from heaven and destroys them. I mean, it's like, boom, done. It's like, I can't believe you would march against God, but boom, you're done. And then the final judgment comes and it's called the great white throne judgment. And this is the time when at Revelation 20, 11, it says, I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it from his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and the books were opened. Then another book, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. This great white throne judgment is the last of all judgments. And there were books. There were books of deeds and there were the books of life. And you were judged, and, and everybody, all of, all of humanity of all time was brought before the great white throne judgment. And in the end, if your name is not written in the book of life, everyone else is thrown into the lake of fire. Remember, the necessity for a relationship with God is perfection. And the only way to get your life, your name written in the book of life is to put your faith in Jesus Christ, the one who was sent. That's the great white throne judgment. And now we're getting to the end. Revelation 21 says, Then, after the great white throne, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, because the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, there was no longer any sea. A loud voice from the throne said, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. He will dwell with them. He will be his people and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. You know, it's interesting when you think about it, everything that we know about the end is really the beginning. We will be on earth with God in a perfect relationship with him. There will be no pain. There will be no death. There will be no sorrow. 
we will live at peace with God on earth, on a renewed earth forever and ever. That is our end or that is our beginning. Maybe that is the life that we were always made for. And this life right now, it's temporary. It's not the life you were made for. Now, everything we've talked about, I want to make sure that you know this. From the beginning all the way, and this is the tough part about talking about eschatology or end times, from the beginning all the way to where we are today, I am 95 to 99% sure that this is true. And my only percentage of unsurety is maybe the, you know, is the 69 weeks of calculation, is that perfect, right? I mean, I have enough, I think I have enough humility to say maybe that's not true, but I'm also 95%. So it's, we're talking about 5 to 1% here. And I'm 99% sure, as sure as I possibly can be, that in 10,000 years, I will be in a new heaven and a new earth with God, and we will have a relationship. What the 70th week will look like, the rapture, the millennial kingdom, the antichrist, the 144,000, I'm about 40% sure. And you're going, are you joking? 40%'s not much. That's end times for you. I gave you a premillennial, pre-trib rapture perspective. You could also be millennial, and you'll go in, man, there's no such thing as a millennial kingdom. We are living in the millennial kingdom because it's symbolic and Christ is ruling. You could live in a, you could believe in a post-millennial belief, meaning that eventually the world will get better and better and better and better, and it will be like Christ reigning on earth for a thousand years, and then Christ will return. That's what some people believe. Mostly people are premillennial or amillennial. Very few are post-millennial. And then some people are a pre-trib rapture, as I spoke, meaning you're raptured before the tribulation. Some people are a mid-trib rapture, meaning Christians will be for half the rap or half the tribulation until they are rapture. And some people are post-trib rapture. So there's a lot of variance there in that 40% on the 70th week in the millennial kingdom. I just want to make sure you know I'm 40% sure, but I want to pick one and I want to teach one. A few takeaway thoughts. Number one, as we end this, here's what I want you to know. God has a plan. He is in control. I I wanted to show the beginning and the end because I want you to see this. At the very beginning in Genesis 3, God promised the Savior. I will send a Savior. He will be injured but Satan will be crushed. And at the end of the 69 weeks, when Jesus was born, he he was also injured on the cross. But at the end of times, Satan was crushed. He was thrown into the lake of fire, as it talks about in Revelation 20. Genesis 3, God gave the plan. It is going to be fulfilled. Or how about this? God chose Abraham 
to become a nation. He became a nation that still exists 4,000 years later. That is incredible. And he said, your nation will be a blessing. Your great, great, great grandson will be a blessing to all nations. Jesus was born as a Jew. What is the odds of that? Come on, people. He was born of Jewish descent. His gospel, Christianity, has been spreading across the globe for the last 2,000 years. This is not coincidence. This is a plan. And in Revelation 7-9, when we get to the end of time, it talks about that in heaven, all people, um, all nations, all tongues, all tribes are before the throne. Not some of them, not the majority of them, but all of them. All nations will be blessed by Jesus. I love the plan. It looked like the Jewish nation was going to be captive, captive by the Babylonians, just like the Babylonians had destroyed all the other nations. But God gave a promise. He said in 70 weeks, six things will happen. And in 69 weeks, the first three things happened with Jesus' first coming. And then there will be a 70th week where Jesus will complete the last three things. God has a plan. Look at the whole picture. He is in control. Number two takeaway is this, and I love this. Justice will be given to all. Often people talk about why do good things happen or why do bad things happen to good people or why is there no justice? I think that's tough too. Um, I, I, I can think of multiple injustices that I just don't understand. But when I look at God's plan and I see that the church, every Christian will be judged by God individually. Every right and every wrong. See, every right that a Christian does, he's like, man, that maybe is public or is even private. And he just goes, man, I just wish somebody would say, good job. One day Jesus will tell you, good job. If you ever feel like, even if a Christian has done something wrong, God will bring justice to that. God will bring justice to all things. We will all be at a point where we feel like God Everything is fair. Every injustice has been leveled out. And when we get to the new heavens and the new earth, there will be no need for justice. Third takeaway is this. Our final destination, when I talk about where will you be in 10,000 years, your final destination is not in heaven. Our final destination is on earth. It is a new earth. It will be with God. We will have purpose. There will be no pain. There will be no death. The scriptures say that we will have a new body. What will it look like? I don't know. Is it our 20-year-old self? Is our 40-year-old self? Is it our 10-year-old self? Do we look similar? Will we recognize each other? I don't know. But it will be new. And that's where our eternity is. That is what we were made for. Fourth takeaway thought is this. Knowing the end should make us think differently about today. Because how you live right now 
matters. Because you're playing a part in a bigger picture. One day, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, you will be judged. And what you do has real ramification. There are real rewards, actual rewards that God will be handing out to his followers. What you do today matters. So those are four takeaway thoughts. Let me give you four action steps as we wrap up here. First action step is this, I would say, for everybody here, if, if you're looking at your life and you're just going, man, I came to this conference because I'm considering a relationship with Christ, but I've never really gone all in. I've never really completely decided to follow him. My first action step, I would say, is join the plan. This is the plan. This is what God's been doing since the very beginning. Join the plan. Start following Christ. Put your faith fully in Jesus Christ, in his death, in his burial, in his resurrection. God, I'm sorry for my sin, and I see how sin has destroyed everything around me. I believe in you as the Savior. I put my faith in you and I follow you. Join the plan. Number two, trust that God will give justice. Every one of us has been, infect, has been affected by injustice of some sort. Trust that God will give you justice. If not today, it will be in the future. Number three, simply dream about what it will be like to live in the new earth, in the new heaven and the new earth. You know, spend some time dreaming about it, daydream about it, write about it, journal about it. It's okay. Let your heart feel it. Think about it because one day that will be our eternal home. And fourth, seek to gain rewards. There's nothing wrong with that. Jesus talks about how we should be people that was trying to gain rewards. Uh, he talks about that in Matthew 6. You know, uh, don't store up treasure for yourself in heaven or in earth, but uh, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break and so on. But uh, gather treasures for heaven. That's what we should be doing because there will be a Bama seat. There will be a time when God will judge us and he will give us rewards. I hope this helps you as you see the end. And I hope it gives you excitement as you see the end coming. And, and I hope you value it more as you see the beginning and the end. Thanks so much for coming and thanks so much for listening. Uh, for those of you that are live, we'll, we'll take a few questions. And for the rest of you, uh, look up uh, on Apple Music and Spotify, look up SMC 2021 for other uh, breakouts. Thanks so much.